0: It's a Saturday morning, Can we both be single and radical Was it wasn't good cause we were young? Was it wasn't good cause we were dumb? Do we think it'll suddenly suck? Now we're jaded and all grown up There was so much that we lost. Do we think it'll make we cut? Will it be a better sale? Will it be fun? Decades later, will it still hold up? This is when we...
1: Hello and welcome to When We Were Young, the podcast that takes a casual stroll on down to the sewers to see if the things we loved as children are still hanging out down there. (laughs) I'm Chris, your podcast host
2: most likely to lead.
3: I'm Becky, the podcast host most likely to do machines.
2: I'm Seth Pearson, the podcast host most likely to be cool, but rude.
0: Hi, I'm Mike, the guest (laughs) podcast host most likely to be a party dude. (laughs) Calabunga <laughs> I guess
3: It's so accurate
0: Yeah I do not agree with that assessment You're a party dude <laughs> More duress
1: Becky is a machine You are a dude Why is this so
2: hot? Okay Is that an Ever lyric? <laughs>
1: Becky, what kind of machines do you do and how exactly do you do them?
3: Um,
2: Are we talking sex robots here? <laughs> that's what I'm
1: wondering. Any
3: machines, really. <laughs> you know, things that. She's <laughs> a poly machine doer.
0: <laughs> She's polytechnical. <laughs> I mean, you can go classic, like old school, and do washer dryer. That it's
3: do machines or does machines, not like builds machines. Hey, we're in a hurry. It's the same amount of
1: syllables. We might find that there were some uh, shortcuts in the writing department in, in, in this property, but uh, let's introduce that property before we go into that. We are back with another episode after our hiatus. Uh, we are recording in our all new socially distant style from respective nooks and crannies. We hope you appreciate this because it took us like six hours to set up the technical ability to record. You
2: better appreciate our crannies, damn it. <laughs>
1: but we do hope everyone out there is still staying safe and sane and dealing with the circumstances as best we can. We're going to help you deal. We'll try. We'll, we'll distract you for a couple hours <laughs> at least. So today's episode is going to be awesome, wicked, excellent,
3: tubular,
2: and bodacious. Is it going to be cowabunga? <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> At least cow. Possibly
0: bonga. You bunga. cowabunga. It is, a thing is not cowabunga.
3: A thing can't be uh... cowabunga? A
0: thing is not cowabunga. So cowabunga, is... it's like saying what? <laughs> uh, help me out here. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what you're saying. Well, what is the is the Viking word for, you know, hear me or listen. Like hark? Hark, thank you. Cheese. Yes, hark. Whew. Forsooth. I don't think the
1: Vikings said cowabunga. I don't think they did either. And the reason it's going to be all those things is because we're revisiting four beloved characters from the big and small screen with distinct personality types on a tour (laughs) of New York, New York, (laughs) as they brave the mean streets and take on the city's baddest bad guys. The first, a thoughtful leader. The second, straight-laced and book-smart. The third, hot-headed and super sarcastic. The fourth, who pretty much just came to party. So, as we jump into today's topic, my opening question is this. Are you a Leonardo slash Carrie? A Donatello slash Charlotte? (laughs) A Raphael slash Miranda or a Michelangelo slash Samantha?
2: <laughs> Feel free to answer that. <laughs> I'm still trying to decide uh, what color bandanas the Sex and the City characters would be wearing over their eyes. <laughs> and what kind of weapons they would have. Exactly. Exactly. What, what ninja weapons would they have?
3: It would be mace. It would be like that, that spiky thing that goes on your key ring that when you're walking in your car, you put it between your fingers. No.
2: It'd be like Gucci nunchucks. Someone would have that.
1: And a stiletto that just goes through people's skulls. (laughs) I want to talk about this for the rest of the episode.
2: (laughs) Honestly, I'm down with that. Yeah. (laughs) I believe that, much like with the Sex and the City question, each of us has all four of the Ninja Turtles within us. Aww. There are different animal natures, uh, represent different parts of the human psyche. Our lustful carnal passions, our party boy side, our logical cold rational side, and our authoritarian leader or leader worshipping side,
3: and our shell.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that too. I like Donatello because I like purple. (laughs) So, does that make me a Charlotte? Yes, it does. Oh, definitely.
3: I like Leonardo because blue. I think that's how you picked your favorite. (laughs)
0: Purple is the color of kings. also the bo staff wow. and he was a nerd and i'm like well i'm a nerd too i guess i guess i do machines or i would if you know suburban garden grove had any machines to do
1: <laughs> as you might imagine our topic today is those lean green heroes in half shell the teenage mutant ninja turtles who were for a time i would say the dominant force in pop culture for at least boys of a certain age um And in a way, they kind of never went away, even though I would have thought they did, but we'll get to that. They have spawned six movies, six TV shows, six comic series, over 50 games and two concert tours to date, plus lots and lots of toys and other merchandise. And I would wager that they single handedly kept Pizza Hut afloat for all these years.
3: I can't believe there are six movies. It's insane. I can't believe there's six shows. (laughs) That's insane.
1: A lot of this flies under their radar, I think, if you're an adult person. But, um, yeah, they have have kept that going. For our discussion, we will mainly focus on the first cartoon series with a theme song that I'm sure you know and love. Yeah. And also the first two films, uh, 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And 1991's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. And, uh, we'll finish our discussion just talking about the whole turtle phenomenon and, uh, maybe answer the question why did this catch on in the first place and why does it keep coming back? <laughs> <laughs> Here to help us suss this out is a recovering Ninja Turtles fan, a TMNT survivor, to share his story with us. That would be Mike. Hi! Who you may remember from our Mario Brothers episode, or from marrying
0: Becky. Yes, yes. <laughs> or from our new theme song.
3: <laughs> if you were at our wedding, I guess you would remember marrying I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> you both were. I don't know about the people listening to this. I, but... I was
0: part of the reason to be there at that point. Several, several people listening were at that wedding. Yeah. And hi. Thanks for having me. Well, I mean, first of all, like hearing that theme song again, this theme song still rules. It's so rad. I mean, it's it, the, the lyrics are dumb as shit, but like you hear that <laughs> melody and then just instantly brought back to the Bullwinkles arcade in Westminster. Uh, or Fountain Valley, California, you know, circa 1996, 9, 95, 96. Yeah. Just like that shit, the, the chiptune version of that music is so rad. Oh, I love it. I, I literally, I get flashbacks
2: with that song, like just to specific friends' houses yeah. and specific arcades, like instantly.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very catchy. It. I mean, we there are some very catchy theme songs from this era for some reason, like the late 80s early 90s i feel like was the masterclass of of catchy theme songs but this honestly might be like number 1 in terms of like you know this tune and it will never ever leave you
3: i can't like recall did garfield have a theme song or like <laughs>
2: It's Garfield. (laughs) Wait, is that me done?
0: Lovable feline. I honestly don't know if that's real or not. he eats no. lasagna animaniacs animaniacs had an excellent theme song it did, yes. yeah animaniacs that was an all-time great but
3: this was way before animaniacs i
0: sure think. yeah I, I animaniacs was like 97 98 it was like late
3: 90s and okay. this is like early
0: 90s early to mid 90s i would say oh yeah. and
1: is that different than tiny tunes because that was a good theme song too
3: that was also a very good theme song
1: oh, i don't remember it
0: I've, I'm sure you're right.
3: Uh, do you Duck want me to post it out? DuckTales is another.
0: Uh, DuckTale, yeah. DuckTales, Duck yeah. another classic theme.
3: Can we just talk about theme songs we like and not talk about Ninja Turtles?
2: <laughs> that sounds like a plan for me.
3: I mean, you can talk about
0: the theme song that now accompanies your fine program. Yes. That I'm very happy.
3: To... Mike wrote, recorded, and played the music on our new theme song. Woo! It's
0: countless thousands, baby countless thousands for for the theme song win as yes. two podcasts to which we've provided for ASCAP purposes yeah theme song <laughs> so you know all those royalties start coming in I'm, a, I'm gonna be expecting my four cents at a time yes
1: I think we want our royalties first and we do not get any so <laughs> sure, all right. you keep waiting Mike
2: yeah I can use those four cents as well <laughs> yeah
3: we uh we like the banger you wrote us so yeah. thank you yeah
0: oh, it right. is a certified banger yes thank you I'm very glad you please pleased because like that's like the music that I wish that I, have, I had been playing for like the past 15 years just like straight up just a really good jingle like uh, like a Ramones jingle a jammy jingle yeah yeah, Love yeah. It. you would be
3: an excellent jingle writer like uh, a paid one because we didn't give, <laughs> we give you some whiskey yeah <laughs> <I got laughs> I whiskey whiskey.
2: Is <laughs> so is the term for that a, a jinglist a jingleheimer uh, <laughs> jinglesman please <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Hey, why is it so gendered?
3: Jingle person.
2: <laughs> a jingles person.
3: <laughs> I prefer yeah. to
0: identify as a jingleman. You can identify as a, a as as a jinglewoman or a you know jingle non-binary. However, you might want to identify. But I mean, that's just the choice that I'm making. Hmm.
3: <laughs> so Mike's fan has a Patreon that you should all go subscribe. That's the right word. Sure, subscribe yeah. to a Patreon. So do we. So please, uh, <laughs> two for that. Yeah, if you will.
0: Yeah, patreon.com/slash countless thousands
3: what's ours (laughs) (laughs) patreon.com
0: slash when we were young what
3: is it is that it okay makes sense yeah give us money
0: (laughs) yeah we're all we're all poor because that's what being an artist is in los angeles and in america yes yay worldwide it's it's a universal thing actually so shells (laughs) shells and weapons and and rad attitudes
1: Yeah. So just to open up, I mean, we kind of got into it with a theme song, but what is your history with the Ninja Turtles? Was it as pervasive for you as it was for me? We'll start with Mike, our guest.
0: Yeah, Bex put on the movie the other day, you know, in preparation for the show, and just immediately I was annoyed. As as, <laughs> as a 34-year-old human being, I'm like, I think this probably sucked then, and I think it still sucks now in a, in a big way. But, like, the more I think about it, the more I realize that my entire turtle experience, when I first, if you will, encountered the turtles, <laughs> um, was through video games and through merchandise like i remember liking the tv show like the um they taught me not to waste water the, the, <laughs> it was like one of those shows that they would do like little the psas at the end of like hey bro don't leave the tap on while you brush your teeth and then leonardo goes the other room. oh i thought that voice sounded familiar and it's donatello and he's speaking into a machine <laughs> don't waste water
3: So that's why you're so stingy with our water.
0: (laughs) That's one of the reasons I'm so stingy
1: with our water, yes. Oh my God, wait. I have to break in there because I had a phase of, like, before I would go to bed, I would check every faucet in the house. And I (laughs) wonder now if maybe
3: the Ninja Turtles is why. (laughs) They were watching you.
0: TMNT OCD. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. There were so many like really, the, I mean, one of the best arcade games was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. I mean, it was a quarter thieving bastard. That game is super hard, <laughs> but like it's got that theme song. Like it's super exciting when you put the quarter in, you hear him go, "Cowabunga!" <laughs> It's rad, and then I had to, like all the toys, all the action figures, did, um, and a deck you, of cards that I marked.
3: Did you like <laughs> getting the toys of just the turtles, or also like the villains? You
0: had to have someone to fight, but yeah, now I needed all the Donatellos and and the, and the Raphaels, and then you could like store their weapons and in, in their shells for maximum convenience, mm. like real turtles do. Um, That's yeah. what a
3: kid likes. <laughs>
0: Sure, Kids I mean, I'll love God. maximum convenience. I, I, I definitely at some point had a recipe book or something because I remember <laughs> Splinters Pizza Bagels. <laughs> 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 I can't, I can't tell you anything beyond that. I mean, we were just talking about it. Like, Bex just saying like, hey, we want you on this show. And I'm like, okay, hang on a second. I went right upstairs. I have in, in my dresser since I was a tiny child, I've had a pack of tissues of teenage mutant Ninja Turtle tissues that I've just kept in my drawer for, <laughs> uh, over 20 years. <laughs> is because, this your like, good luck charm? What is this? No, it's just something He's that moved I did. a couple
3: times too. Yeah. They keep, coming to each new apartment it just i oh, left wow. it in my top
0: drawer i never got rid of it it's part it's like one of like three little to- totems from my childhood i don't know it's just like the design of the drawings <laughs> of the t- of the ninja turtles is very pleasing you know it's they're they're, they're they they want to be your friend they're cool and they have different colored bandanas how can you possibly do any better than that what more do you want from us yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean the nintendo game was an absolute hallmark of garbage i was so like i bought that game as a kid i was so excited it is completely fundamentally broken
3: i think we talked the, about this during the mario oh
0: man yeah thing. yeah we did it is episode. it is awful it is awful none of the characters you know are in it and it's fundamentally unplayable mm-hmm. i don't even think they have like the the classic Theme music. No, they
3: don't. It had they it don't.
0: had the Ninja Turtles on it. So me with my communion money, my first communion money in 1993, was like, well, I better pick that one up because it has those characters that I like. Oh, I was sorely mistaken.
2: Your first communion money, commemorating the time that Jesus gave you <laughs> cash for having joined his religion.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, look, let's let's not be gauche here. It wasn't Jesus gave me the money. It was all of my family that wanted to encourage me to be in this religion gave me the money
1: i I love that so it was a cult okay
2: (laughs) it's funny how much my childhood experience of the turtles totally matches mike's like i i saw each of the three movies uh that was the first set of movies in the theaters uh and i conscripted one or both of my poor parents to subject themselves to the cinematic charms. I had Ninja Turtles basically surrounding me on all sides, you know, down to buying the action figures. I don't believe I ever had a Ninja Turtles costume. I might have, but I really can't remember. <laughs> Obviously, I would see other kids who would have, like, the Halloween costumes with the fake muscles, and I would be very envious of the the fake musculature. <laughs> Not knowing any of the implications of that at the time, surely. (laughs) But yeah, I totally loved Ninja Turtles. And then there was just a point at which I completely dropped any interest in them and moved on with my life.
3: That that is the way.
2: (laughs) That is the way. Becky, I'm
1: wondering if girls had... Similar Ninja Turtles experiences at all, or were you just completely in a Barbie world, or whatever, whatever <laughs> the equivalent was at the time?
3: Well, as I represent all women, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you do on this
2: podcast. I'm sorry. Did we forget to announce that at the top again this
3: episode? Oh yeah, everything I say is is a uh, is on behalf hashtag all women. all women. All women, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hashtag believe all women, specifically Becky.
3: <laughs> no, my my turtles experience was not like that. <laughs> But, it, but it, was, it was like that in the way that I definitely saw the movies in theaters. Um, and I remember them being well-received. Like, I remember liking them. And I remember other people liking them. I think they made a lot of money. I'm sure Chris will tell us later. I remember watching the cartoon. I don't think because I liked it, but because that was on. And that's what you did. Uh. Yep. Yep. I don't think I had any toys. The uh, honestly when I and when I think of Ninja Turtles, what I think of is going to a birthday party mm-hmm. when I was little and the the kids parents had hired a Ninja Turtle oh. guy,
0: Spooky. And
3: I and I took a picture oh, with wow. him. And I will try and find it. Maybe my mom has it, but um it's me and I wish I remembered which one it was. I want to say Leonardo and I'm wearing a tie-dye t-shirt. Ugh. And I'm a little chubby seven-year-old, probably. It's not a flattering picture, and it doesn't hold up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for this. I am so yeah, excited. Please, please find that. Please.
3: I remember wanting to go up to him, but also being really shy and scared. Um, that is my memory of the Ninja Turtles.
2: Turtle so
1: trepidation. Was- <laughs> I feel like you were right as a seven-year-old to... Think twice about going up to a grown man in a green turtle costume. I think that was a good instinct. Yes. Meanwhile, I would have been like, hey, I'll follow you down to that crypt.
3: Sure. <laughs> I'll follow you down the (laughs) sewer. I think in general, it was more of a boy thing. Boys need their own types of dolls. And so action figures were Mm. accepted um, and girls had dolls. So I was playing with Barbies and pound puppies (laughs) and Cabbage Patch dolls and things like that. I think, of course, like some girls were probably really into Ninja Turtles, but it wasn't so much a thing in my life. It was a thing as much that I like soaked it up through pop culture and like saw the movies and TV show. But I don't think I was really like passionate about them.
1: Well, I was a boy. I was between (laughs) five and ten years old. So, did I like Ninja Turtles? Oh, boy, did I. My favorite turtle was Michelangelo. I want to see what you guys think about this. I feel like every kid's (laughs) favorite turtle was Michelangelo,
0: but I could be wrong. No. No. Really? Because... You you grow up with the name Michael in the 90s, and everyone was like, Hey, so you're, you're, we're going to play Nistra. You're going to be Michelangelo. I'm like, I don't want to be Michelangelo. His weapon's dumb, and he's kind of adult. So, no, I don't want to be my, and they're like, You're Michelangelo. And then you start crying. Oh. I just
3: remember everyone liked all of them except Donatello. I liked Donatello.
0: <laughs> <the> <laughs>
2: I feel like I would like Donatello, too. I think he's the dark horse of the turtles. No, I agree. You agree with me, Chris? <laughs> I agree with Becky
1: that, like, when you were a kid, yeah, like, Donatello was the uncool one because he was, like, smart and, like, yeah. doing machines. Raphael is, like, the badass, but he always felt, like, too grumpy, I think, to, like, identify with. And then, like, Leonardo is just responsible. And I was never, like, <laughs> that. He's like, a personality. Don- Michelangelo likes pizza, like, He's like party dude, like who who is 7 years old and like doesn't doesn't identify with that.
2: Again, I tell you, children understand the Kawabunga lifestyle and Mike, I'm just very sorry that your parochial concerns about naming have overshadowed the glory and just all around fun of Michelangelo. He's kind of an idiot, but I don't think that's unique to his character. As far as the,
0: <laughs> no. Children, no, the turtles,
1: I that's fair. Also, like seven-year-olds, we're all idiots. That's that's why we like him.
2: Mm. We were all idiots to like any of us. Honestly, uh, yeah, I was I was a genius <laughs> to be at seven years old. I was not yet a genius, and that bears differentiating.
1: So, what I remember the most about the Ninja Turtles now is uh, we'll see if this is surprising. I had a thing for April O'Neil.
3: Um, well, it's surprising oh in the fact that she's not blonde, because you have a thing for blonde. That
1: is the one surprise. <laughs> well, she's not blonde, but her suit is very yellow. So, she's got a I think maybe suit. her suit, yeah, like, her suit stood in for the blondness. Can um, I but, ask you, know, you
3: why? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Please ask him why, Becky. <laughs>
3: like and also do you mean you had a thing for april o'neil the character or or the actress in the movies or like what
2: (laughs) yes and
1: it was the character and i don't i looking back on it having now watched these again i don't know why i mean for some (laughs) reason i i think like the fact that she was a human (laughs) helped because like it was just like more (laughs) relatable because everyone else is like a rat or a (laughs) turtle or some other kind of mutant so i was like
0: don't forget the brain and the robot tummy yeah not hot in childhood chris was like none
2: of these are hot (laughs)
0: yeah so i I think she fell in
1: line with like my vicky Vale crush of like a professional journalist but i Mm -hmm. think april o'neill pales a little in comparison to her now that i look at it from an adult perspective (laughs) as an adult i just wonder what the fuck was she wearing a yellow jumpsuit. jumpsuit it seemed like a like a yellow pleather jumpsuit no i mean it's just and like giant white boots like it,
2: the boots are the most ungainly part like the, she doesn't even look like she could walk in them much less run in them full on like she does very often
3: she's like a broadcast reporter right like she's in front of the camera right <laughs> yes wearing yes. that wearing that every day
2: <laughs> Yeah, she's got her newscaster uniform, you know, like newscasters do.
3: If she was like behind the camera wearing that and it's like okay, like she's wearing her go outfit, but like in front of the camera, she would wear like like a like a suit or like, you know, uh, yeah.
0: y- y- they didn't think of that in the 90s for this children's program. <laughs> Wow! They didn't. What an unprofessional approach! <laughs> it is. It's just a crazy thing. Like they, because like various like Aprils would like appear
1: at the the concerts that we'll talk about later. But it, <laughs> even that, that yellow jumpsuit always looks ridiculous. Like it was not fashionable at the time. Like I've never seen anyone wear anything like that. And I just N- no, have it to wasn't. Wonder.
2: And and also that jacket itself is like literally the most and basically only distinctive thing about that character.
3: She has red hair. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> She's got grit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's got determination. Wait, isn't the yellow jumpsuit like She's the Kill Moxie. Bill and the Bruce Lee? It, like it does it, remind it has me of that precedent. now.
2: It does remind me of that now, though I very much doubt that that was intentional on the part of the people who made it up.
0: You're probably right.
1: they were like uh, too much green. Anyway, I was obsessed with the <laughs> Ninja Turtles. I had to have everything. I did have everything. We'll talk a little bit more about the toys, but I think I watched like the show every single day. Like for a time, this was my entire world. Sad as
3: that, maybe before Jurassic Park came into your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like this was this was the thing briefly. <laughs> <laughs> PJP. So before we get into the movies, I guess I'll invite Mike to. Uh, would you like to join our discussion on
0: on these fine films? No, I have to go back to grad school. <laughs>
3: He also did not watch the movies. Also didn't
0: watch the movies. I got super annoyed really fast. I'm like, no, man, I'm an urban planning major, and you guys are talking about just crime, crime, crime. That is a, the root of so many of the worst of the decisions made in the 80s through the 90s vis-a-vis urban planning. Uh, well, but Mike,
2: Mike, you're missing the part where a lot of what we'll be talking about in this episode is public infrastructure, the sewers that are beneath our major <laughs> American cities, and the water pipes that in many cases are over 100 Years
0: old, I figure that would be right up your alley. You know what's going to be a little bit more up my alley right now, though, is a Splinters pizza bagel. So I'm going to go make one of those. <laughs> Enjoy your flashback, Bonanza. <laughs> and, and
3: Ooh, that's a good title.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a good go. title and band name. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your TMNT PTSD. Uh-huh. Uh huh. TMI.
3: <laughs> thank you. Thank you for appearing, Party Dude. We live together. <laughs> I can say goodbye
0: to you. Okay. All right. Well, goodbye, Becky. Not
3: only do we live together, we're quarantined (laughs) together.
0: You have appearances before each other
3: several times a day.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I guess there's only one thing left to say, which is cowabunga.
1: well, before we uh, head on back down to the sewers, uh, why don't we take a moment to <laughs> give ourselves some love uh, and and talk about some of the reviews that we've gotten from around the world. We are global and worldwide and so popular that we didn't even notice some of these reviews. So we are finishing up the reviews that we have gotten, you know, in, in the fairly recent past, but not super recently and uh, making sure that we read <laughs> everybody's opinions. So Becky, why don't you take it away with our first review?
3: Yes, I've got got a review here from Mandy KR. She lives in Britain and she left this review in June of 2019. And we're getting to it right now. <laughs> it is titled love, love, love. And then a heart emoji. What a brilliant podcast takes me back to my childhood. Love the way everything is analyzed provides a more grown up perspective on things, which may seem brilliant, but actually weren't so great. Parentheses, Jurassic Park, 2. <laughs> Love the hosts My go-to podcast on the way to work Cheers me up Especially on miserable rainy UK mornings And any other time really Thank you Mandy That is the sweetest review I hope that you're still listening to us
2: Wow I am an official Mandy fan uh, I am more a fan of Mandy Than I was of that movie <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know what the version of Jurassic Park 2 that they released in the UK was, but I'm sorry that it wasn't as good as the one that I saw, which was
2: great.
3: It was the same one that I saw.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they overdubbed it with crazy Cockney accents, you know, like all the same actors, but just doing crazy accents.
3: Did did the dinosaurs roar in a Cockney accent?
2: Obviously. Roar, governor! (laughs)
3: I was waiting for you guys to do your impersonation of a Cockney dinosaur.
2: Fetch the lorry. That was a Velociraptor.
3: Sweep your <laughs> chimney. I like how we can't
2: like, possibly
1: read like reviews from other countries without insulting their okay. culture. <laughs> nope. It's really very American of us.
3: And that's insulting our culture.
1: Yes, it's because we're ignorant. Just, yes. just know that, fans.
2: When it fits because America has no real culture, we just appropriate and capitalize on everyone else's. Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you so much for leaving that review, Mandy.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Mandy. And our next review comes to us from PenguinTamer72 via Apple Podcasts in Australia. It's entitled, Good for Road Trips. I've just discovered your podcast when I had a long drive, five hours each way. When I got to my destination, I didn't want the drive to be over as I wanted to keep listening. I especially like that you have no ads because when driving, it is hard to skip the ads. <laughs>
3: I, I'm sorry, guy. I wish we had ads.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The second that somebody offers us money, you will be drowning in ads every five minutes or less. <laughs> we are going to hawk Lisa mattresses, uh, Quip toothbrushes. Squarespace. Squarespace. Stitch Fix.
3: Bomba socks.
2: Bomba socks.
1: Penguin Tamer 72's review comes to you courtesy of Stamps.com. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and and Blue Apron. Don't forget Hello Fresh. <laughs> and Blue Apron and Marley Spoon and MeUndies.
2: <laughs> all of them, all at once. I don't necessarily feel the need to continue date shaming us podcast hosts for how delinquent we've been in addressing these reviews, but this did come to us in March of 2019. So again, this has been a discovery that just keeps on giving. Uh, And I am truly tickled at the love this shows that people all around the world have for what we do and for all the time that we put into doing this. So thank you so much, Penguin Tamer, for that really lovely review.
3: Four. in this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with muggings mysterious. All police and detectives are furious, because they can't find the source of this lethally evil
2: force. This is serious, so give me a quarter. I was a witness, get me a reporter. Call April O'Neil in on this case. Hey, you better hurry up, there's no time to wait. We need help, like quick, all the double. half pity on the city, man, is in trouble.
1: Legend has it that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were creatively birthed one night in November 1983, while artists Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird were eating pizza and watching television. I suspect that they were also doing something else that they don't mention and this story is related to children. (laughs) That would be smoking marijuana for the adults who are listening.
2: Hey, don't blame this on drugs. That's not fair to drugs.
1: I, I think it might be. I think I think this might be a, a case where if, if you if you smoke pot, you might create a billion dollar franchise, you know, so don't do it. Don't do drugs, kids.
2: Great anti-drug message. Thanks, Chris.
1: (laughs) Laird and Eastman were broke, struggling artists, Laird in his 30s and Eastman in his 20s. And it started as a joke. Uh, Michelangelo was the first of the turtles to be born when Eastman drew a turtle with nunchucks and dubbed him a ninja turtle. They went on to draw three more turtles and added the Teenage Mutant moniker. This was a parody of Daredevil comics, uh, where the sensei is named Stick, which of course became Splinter, the rat. And the bad guys there are known as the Hand, which became the Foot Clan.
2: No. Yeah, it's. Hand and foot? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs>
1: It's really just, like, two guys joking around and being like, let's do Daredevil but with turtles.
2: Yeah, they didn't take it that seriously. No. (laughs) I thought there was serious uh, mythical study, uh, a survey of literature was undertaken.
1: It was not a well-thought-out plan. So, Eastman put in $500 from a tax return, Laird drained his savings of $200, and they borrowed $1,300 from Eastman's uncle (laughs) to print 3,000 copies of the first ninja turtles comic it was an instant success Uh, and i made them have to print more copies of this and work on a second issue which they had never planned to do because it was a joke and why would anyone want to read more of this it was not long before the turtles were a hot commodity in the comics world spawning actual ripoffs including adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters
3: oh (laughs) i want to read that
1: the adult thermonuclear samurai elephants and the preteen dirty gene kung fu kangaroos None of which have been adapted into major motion pictures.
2: (laughs) I can't possibly understand why at this point. The original Turtles comics had
1: occasional cursing and weren't shy about action violence. April O'Neil was originally a lab assistant, not a TV news reporter. And the (laughs) comics were also in black and white, which I personally found surprising because as a kid, one of the defining features of the Turtles is the color of their bandanas.
3: How are you supposed to know which Turtles which? they don't have colored bandanas
1: yeah it's only by their weapons they all actually wore red masks when they were like on the cover of the comics so i read one of these comics just to you know make sure i was doing my do turtle diligence i read the 1989 comic return to new york which is one of the classic story arcs and i had you guys look at some of the art as well um did you guys have any general thoughts on what you saw there
3: it was black and white like you said <laughs>
1: And run all over.
3: I mean, I don't, I'm not really like a, a, a comic book person. So it kind of just like, it was like, all right.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> it, it really meant nothing to me, I guess. <laughs> it, it didn't have the same tone as the movie or show, you know? So I guess that's the difference.
2: I mean, I never read these comics as a kid, uh, which is kind of surprising now because reading a few issues while preparing for this, I felt like it was pretty similar in tone to the first movie, at least. The comics were not nearly as gritty and hard bitten as I'd expected them to be. I mean, sure, there's violence and some graphic violence, but I was led to believe it'd be much more subversive and like hard R rated all the time. I expected more comic book like Spawn than this, than what it really was, like Becky's saying. I thought it was really just a set of characters and imagery and dialogue that is much more like a pulp comic, uh, or a B movie than just straight up dark.
1: Yeah, I had the exact same reaction as I, I enjoy reading comic books, um, occasionally. Like it's not. I'm definitely not a big comics person and I pretty much stick to like really well known ones like Batman or something. I enjoy reading like the dark Batman from the 80s, um, like the killing joke. And I kind of was expecting the turtles to be kind of like that because that's part of the legend of them. I think is that the comics were much darker than the the series and the movies, but they weren't that dark other than maybe saying like damn or something. And you know, they're, they're fighting, but they're not like super violent. They're not super adult. And I was hoping that they would be more subversive and that they would maybe even explain like why this property is Um, that there was like some kind of unifying idea there that was actually like really clever and just maybe didn't make it into the, the more child friendly version, but there was just a lot of aliens and mutants, and a lot of it is just kind of um, fighting, and I wanted more inter drama, which I did not <laughs> find in there. The colorization of the turtles came about when the Ninja Turtles inevitably became toys. A then-small toy company named Playmates took on the task. Designer T. Mark Taylor actually invented many characters, such as Rocksteady and Bebop, uh, just for the mere fact of becoming toys. Uh, but Creating toys meant that selling the toys required them to recreate a cartoon series. So that debuted in 1987. Wow.
3: Don't you love the backwards logic of this? Like, we have to sell these toys so we make the show.
1: It's sad, yeah. (sighs) And so this was also the time when the hankering for pizza and catchphrases like cowabunga, turtle power, and heroes in a half shell came along. So none of that was part of the comics. That was all just for kids. Each toy also came with a pizza point on the packaging, good for <laughs> redemption of other turtle merch. <laughs> uh, and it works. Playmates produced about 400 action figures. Uh, so the turtles became the number three best-selling toys of all time, right after G.I. Joe and Star Wars, selling over $6 billion by
3: 1994. This is insane. <laughs> I have a question. Was there a whole like surfer culture movement in the 80s and early 90s or were like teenagers copying surfer talk like why are they saying like cowabunga and and excellent that's how teenagers talked then
1: that gets me to a point like where i'm like always confused about the turtles because i don't actually feel like they seem like teenagers but i don't know (laughs) Like nothing in my research for this told me why they might be like surfer like, but there was a thing in the eighties and nineties about like surfer dudes, like definitely. I think we talked about it maybe in the Full House episode. There was like Cody yes. in Step by Step who would like talk like a surfer, and that was supposed to be funny. And I guess like
3: is also- it because of Point Break. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't... Well, the California surfer culture obviously came about with, like, the Beach Boys in the 60s and 70s, but then, like, in the 80s, there was a whole new, like, generation of that kind of it, like just still the surfer culture but then very quickly there came like the whole skating culture which took a lot of its cues from the surfing culture um, and I think in a lot of ways the kind of like California-ish things that they mannerisms and patterns of speech that they adopt in this are more taken from like the kind of skater slang or at least some 30 year old stoner aspiring writers vision of what a surfer or a skater kid would be like. Hmm. Well, that's the thing is I think
1: they like modeled it on surfing and skating, but what they didn't quite realize is that actually that's just an overall stoner culture.
2: Yeah. I don't
1: think that they necessarily realized that they were basically just giving stoner culture <laughs> to young children. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're craving pizza all the time and they fight, I guess, but mostly they're like hanging out in a, in a basement. <laughs>
3: Like I expected them to learn how, like know how to skateboard or like surf in the sewers because of the way they talk.
2: I remember them skateboarding, and I don't remember where I remember it from. Was it from the cartoon or what? Yeah,
1: Donatello uh, built, I believe, a some sort of skateboard with a fan on it that propelled them. There was a toy. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us perfectly into the series, uh, the original TMNT cartoon. Series began as a five part mini series that first aired twice a day, five days in a row. <gasps> what <laughs> the second season aired on Saturday mornings, and then the third season aired five days a week in afternoons, so it quickly became much more popular. How many seasons would you guess that the series
2: ran?
3: <laughs> oh, god, I'm gonna go with five,
2: six seasons in a movie, ten. 10 seasons. 10? This has reached land before time proportions. (laughs) Yeah. Where again, it just so dropped out of our view that we didn't recognize. It just kept on going forever.
3: Chris, do you mean 10 seasons of what we watched on Saturday morning? Or do you mean overall? Oh, wow. 10 seasons of
1: that show, not counting any other Ninja Turtle show.
3: Wow. Who's still watching it? (laughs)
1: Like 10 years later? I hope hope it's kids.
3: (laughs) Like, that means somebody born the day that the show premiered would still be watching it when they're 10 years old.
1: And you'll be watching it when you die. <laughs> <laughs> Before you die, you see the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so those 10 seasons ran from 1987 to 1996. The show, of course, pitted the four turtles and April and Splinter, and occasionally Casey Jones against the Shredder, Mutants Bebop and Rocksteady, and Krang, who is a a brain and a in and a weird body. He's
3: disgusting. Hey, hey, that was the most yeah.
2: relatable character to me. I always felt like a brain in a big body.
3: <laughs> He's disgusting. I hate looking at that thing.
1: I love it. Uh, the creators of the Choros did not exactly love the kid-friendly direction they went in. Laird called Bebop and Rocksteady moronic Kenchman, didn't like April always being in distress and thought the pizza obsession was ridiculous.
3: Oh, the pizza thing wasn't in the comics? Nope. Oh.
1: That was for kids. Many parents also took issues with the inherent violence of the premise. The turtles were known as Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles in the UK, and Michelangelo's nunchucks were a particular source of controversy. They were edited out of the movie, and in the cartoon, they were eventually replaced with a grappling hook. um,
3: (laughs) You're going to see, like, a teddy bear. (laughs)
2: <laughs> he pillow fought his enemies.
1: Uh, I think that's the weirdest thing because I would say that the nunchucks are like way less violent than like a giant sword.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, the katana or the the yeah, sai. The sai. That's right. That's right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know my weapons. My clearly Shredder's weapons. One thing the show did have going for it was James Avery as Shredder. <laughs> A.K.A. Uncle Phil on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs>
3: That's it. I was like, why do I know that Amazing.
1: name? So we watched an episode of the show, uh, somewhat picked at random. I tried to find the uh, quote-unquote best episodes <laughs> of the show. Yeah. And the one we picked was from season three, Cowabunga Shredhead, which aired in October 1989, just a few months before the movie. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the show, watching it as grown-ups?
3: I'll go. <laughs> I'll say my notes, what I wrote. <laughs> Please do. Verbatim. That's, that's
1: what we do here.
3: <laughs> I hate this. I truly hate this. It's not that it's offensive. It's just so pointless and thoughtless. It's noise. <laughs> that's pretty much sums up my experience watching that one episode.
2: That's almost a haiku, Becky.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. There is no cleverness to it at all. I was extra annoyed that all the turtles had the exact same design, except their different colored bandanas. I was like, couldn't you make one like bulkier or one shorter or something? It's like literally copy and paste and then fill in different colors on their bandanas. So as an artist, I was offended.
2: <laughs> 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 That's the quote for the show. As an artist, I was offended.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then, and then just like the word pizza I thought was like mentioned way too much. <laughs>
2: Just the word pizza? Th- those are my overall thoughts. They didn't eat yeah, pizza w- too often? They just talked about it too much?
3: How much, <laughs> how many times do you think the word pizza is mentioned in this franchise? Like, how many times do you think the word fuck is in a Tarantino movies? How many times do you think pizza <laughs> is uttered?
1: Fuck is the Tarantino as pizza is to
2: Ninja Turtles. It's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> That's the SET question version of that point.
3: Yeah. Uh. Yeah, those are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry I could even eat some of that pickled
0: tofu. We'd better see what's taking so long eating those pizzas. Uh-oh. The oven's empty. Our pizzas are gone. I've got a theory. Uh, yo dudes. What's <laughs> oh, the
3: haps? The haps is you ate all of our pizzas.
0: Who, moi?
3: Master, Michelangelo
1: ate all our pizzas again. You were warned, Michelangelo. So Becky's on the fence,
2: Seth. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. I kind of guessed what my reaction was going to be going into this. But the only note I wrote after watching several episodes of the cartoon going above and beyond in my research was, oh, this is just a marketing vehicle for toys, isn't it? I didn't look up any actual turtle facts about the creation of this. (laughs) So, I did not know that that was quite literally why it was made. (laughs) But it is certainly good to have that confirmed, because wow, does that come through when watching this cartoon. There are no characters. There is no story. It's even below some other subpar cartoons of my youth, such as Captain Planet. Um... (laughs) You know, like, it's that kind of level uh, in terms of rudimentary animation, but just, there's just, like Becky said, it felt like no real effort actually went into making this at all.
1: Yeah, I would normally be sympathetic to a creator saying that a toy company took his story away and watered it down for kids. But in this case, they're turtles that fight like ninja guys. (laughs) So it should be for kids. And I think that that's what the show is like. There's nothing here for adults like it. It's 100 percent like a kid's show. Like, I'm surprised, Seth, that you actually managed to watch more than one episode because I probably would have if there had been anything to kind of latch onto as an adult. But I've really felt like after one episode, I was like, okay, I got this. Like, it seems totally fine for kids and kind of on par with what else kids watch. Um,
2: Yeah, and like, definitely keeping in mind what year it is, it is on the level of a bunch of the crappier cartoons of that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, I don't know if we are ever going to do an episode on this, but that, you know, Transformers. Right. G.I. Joe, all the stuff that you're watching. (laughs) yeah. A He-Man was a big one for me. Like I'm sure all of that would be probably about the same level. Um, I would be surprised if any so. of it rose high above.
3: Yeah, I remember like really thinking that like Garfield was funny. <laughs> like, what do they have? Like US Acres too was part of Garfield. I remember thinking that it was actually like funny and everything else was just like on. Like it was just <laughs> it was just noise. It was just like, well, is this is made for me. I'm a kid. I guess I have to watch it. And then, yeah, I stopped watching it when I was a kid. Like, there's a clear, like, you grow up and you don't watch that anymore because there's nothing there for anyone over a certain age. Yeah, it's like,
2: I very quickly aged out of it and you can definitely see why.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Garfield, I mean, that's an interesting comparison because that also started as a comic, but a, a very different kind of comic. But that, I think that comic, original comic, was, like, for adults as well. It was, like, meant to be, like, clever in, like, newspapers for adults to read. Um, so I guess maybe the roots of Garfield. I don't remember, like, was Garfield for Kit? Like, did it air? It was Yeah, it was like, a Saturday morning this?
3: cartoon, for sure. Hmm. I don't know at the same time or not, but it was around the same time that I was young and watching Saturday morning cartoons
1: I think I found Garfield a little too highfalutin for my (laughs) tastes at this time
3: (laughs) look and I don't know if Garfield holds up but I just remember there being like like even when I was little I remember thinking well this is just on so I'll watch it versus oh I can't wait to watch Garfield like I thought it was actually like good (laughs) so I think even when I was a kid I didn't really think this was like good it was just something to watch
2: (laughs) (laughs) it was there When we were forced to come to New York,
1: I found myself for the first time without a home, wandering the sewers, scavenging for whatever I could find. And then, one day, I came upon a shattered glass jar and
2: four baby turtles. That was us! (laughs) Shut up!
3: Oh, no! The little ones were crawling into a strange glowing ooze from a broken canister nearby. One of them spoke.
0: Pizza! Pizza!
2: More words followed, and I began their training, teaching them all that I had learned from my master. Radical! Radical!
0: Radical!
1: The first pitch for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was from Schlockmeister producer Roger Corman. <laughs> oh, wow. He wanted Billy Crystal and Bobcat <gasps> Goldthwait as turtles fighting partially nude nuns with guns on roller skates.
2: Wow. Oh, I want to see the Corman cut. Show me, me the that. Corman cut. <laughs> Corman cut. <laughs> I'm there. Like, I'm there. But with Bobcat Goldthwaite. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, I think
1: it's safe to say that would have been a different movie than the one that we got. (gasps) The legitimate Hollywood was very reluctant to make a Ninja (laughs) Turtles film because they were deterred by the failure of Masters of the Universe and Howard the Duck. (laughs) Comic book movies were, at the time, thought to be a poor investment. Things have changed a little since then, but that was the lay of the land at the time. The film ended up being financed by New Line, which was then an independent studio, and that led it to become the highest grossing independent film of all time. All the way up until the (laughs) Blair Witch Project in 1999.
3: Wait, the Ninja Turtle movies (sighs) were an independent movie? Yes. Oh my God.
2: (laughs) Chris, every single one of these turtle facts have been stunners so far. I I like to
1: please. I, you know, I, I do what I can, I dig up the dirt. Dirt Doug. The first Ninja Turtles movie was released on March 30th, 1990. The tagline was lean green and on the screen, (laughs) which I take exception with because I don't think the turtles are lean. I think they (laughs) just did that because it rhymes with green, but they are very bulky.
2: Yeah, yeah, they are quite bulky. (laughs) They're voluminous. I I don't want to fat shame the turtles, but um, they... Look, we are very body positive here on when we were young. We respect any shell that you happen to inhabit.
1: But don't say that the shell is lean if the shell is not lean. Exactly. The movie was written by Bobby Herbeck and heavily rewritten by Todd W. Langan, an aerospace engineer who quit working on (laughs) a space shuttle in order to become a screenwriter. He also wrote for The Wonder Years. The movie was directed by Steve Barron, who would go on to direct Coneheads and the Jonathan Taylor Thomas version of Pinocchio.
3: <laughs> I've seen both oh, wow. of those.
2: <laughs> I saw Coneheads in theaters. I saw it in a drive-in theater.
3: Ooh. Coneheads was good. Ooh, that's fun. I would see any yeah. movie in a drive-in. <laughs> if you get me out of my house, I will see any movie, even maybe these again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm not coming out of my sewer for anything, especially not this, though. This film stars
1: James Saito as Shredder, Judith Hogue as April O'Neil, and Elias Koteas as Casey Jones. Those would be the human actors. Uh, the voice actors are Leonardo, voiced by Brian Tochi, the only Asian-American uh, voice actor in the cast, who's also known for Police Academy and Revenge of the Nerds. Raphael, voiced by Josh Pice. A character actor you might recognize from Scream 3, Ray Donovan and Joker. Donatello, voiced by Corey Feldman of The Goonies and Stand By Me. Michelangelo, voiced by Robbie Rist, who played Cousin Oliver in The Brady Bunch. And Splinter, voiced by Kevin Clash, who is also the puppeteer and voice of Elmo.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry, why why was Corey Feldman not listed last? Because he's special. If you look at the credits... For this movie, they list everybody in the movie, and then they go, and Corey Feldman as Donatello.
1: (laughs) Really? I didn't notice that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They separate him because he's more special. I guess that's how they got him for the movie with his agent. (laughs) It was in his contract, and separate.
2: This was well into Corey Feldman's career, right? Yeah, this was after...
3: Well he has yeah, he was like an adult in this movie, right? Like his voice is an adult voice. I believe he
1: was a teenage mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know exactly how old he was, but yeah, he was this was after like his like big like childhood hits. Um, he was definitely like I think late teens, I want to say, but it is weird that they cast like one child star and then the rest are right. m- more voice actors. And like as Donatello, like he's one of the least like standout turtles. Like yeah. you would expect him to either be like Michelangelo or maybe like Leonardo because he's the leader.
3: No, like if I'm. I think we can agree that the the lead turtles are Leo and Raphael because they have the most conflict between each other in this movie. So you would think one or the other, and yet he's Donatello, which is just kind of like side guy in this film.
2: Yeah, it felt like they just didn't even give him that many lines either. Yeah, he really doesn't
1: also stand out. Like, I, I don't notice, like, one turtle's voice really over the others. But uh, we'll, we'll get into the movie in a second. <laughs> the effects were by Jim Henson's Creature Shop, one of the last movies he was associated with. Oh. He died six weeks after this film was released. Henson did say he was uncomfortable with the violence in this film. The soundtrack album featured Turtle Power, Turtle Rhapsody, and the MC Hammer jam, This Is What We Do. <laughs> The movie was made for $13.5 million. It made $25.4 million in its opening weekend. And overall worldwide made $202 million.
3: Wow. I remember it being a big hit.
1: It got like average reviews on Metacritic. It has like a 51. So it wasn't, it wasn't panned. It wasn't beloved. Um, One review that is uh, positive was titled successful mutation. Uh, (laughs) This comes from (laughs) Susan Lazina of, USA Today. She says, Thank the wizardry of Jim Henson's Creature Shop, Well-Choreographed Martial Arts Fights, and Sharp Direction by Video whiz Steve Barron. He did Michael Jackson's Billie Jean for keeping these comic book heroes from going amuck like Howard the Duck. In a less positive review titled <laughs> These Tortoises Are a Hair Too Violent for Kids... <laughs> that comes from j boyar from the orlando sentinel he said children will undoubtedly enjoy the ninja flick a lot more than their parents will and it probably won't even give most kids nightmares but couldn't a study diet of this sort of thing help to desensitize very young children to real violence if so that's awful not awesome dudes
2: Ugh, i give that boyar a d (laughs) (laughs) are <laughs> Your puns are
1: almost as bad as him. So, um, what did you think of this movie, you guys? <laughs> was it a forgotten masterpiece, or was it? I think it was a else? best
2: forgotten masterpiece.
3: <laughs> okay, so we're in quarantine, and I have a full-time job. <laughs> And I have a baby. I have no free time. I have I have such little free time that this movie made me upset and angry <laughs> that I was spending the little free time that I had watching it. I would have preferred to do anything but watch it. It took me like eight different viewings to get through it. Like I was like fitting it in while I was cooking. I just like I could not bear to watch more than like 15 minutes at a time. I hated it.
1: Becky's
2: on the fence. Seth. <laughs> Again, much like the cartoons, I didn't fear having this reaction because I expect my taste to grow over time. I expect my awareness uh, of things to grow over time, or at least hope that it will. Uh, and I very quickly realized when re-watching the cartoons that this this just really was existing only as a vehicle to sell toys. And that was also like the overriding reaction I had watching the movies more than anything else. I felt a sorrow toward my parents that I really have not felt in a very long time, if ever, for subjecting them to this just total fucking garbage these movies are so empty of any not just meaning but mostly empty of content as well like the these are movies that intend to be comedies and yet very consistently so are never once funny any time that they intend to be funny and almost every joke is either a reference to another pop cultural product or like a direct quote from lifted from something else referring to something else. Like there's someone does one of the turtles says soccer to me, baby, which is like a sign, a, a thing that Richard Nixon said on the show laughing one night <laughs> and was a huge, like inside joke in movies it, like in the seventies when it happened. Um, but like so many of the jokes and references in this are from a kind of like Brady bunch era of sitcoms and comedy. Oh, Seth, like, it's, I,
3: I agree with you where the, the Teenage Turtles are dancing to tequila.
2: Yeah, there's like, <laughs> like a moment what? in this movie where the Ninja Turtles do a dance sequence to tequila. And I'm like, is that a Pee Wee Herman reference? No, or, I, Like, what
3: is that? It, it like, just like, felt it's, like it's, not even relevant to the time that this was made. Exactly. Like, wouldn't they be listening to like Guns N' Roses? I don't know, like something like that to the time
2: well and again like in retrospect I came away with it feeling like oh well in that case it kind of makes sense why they're referring to like all this surfer stuff instead of even trying to do skater stuff is because it like feels like it was written by men who were already in their like 40s or something at least by the time the script was written and so whose references for everything were just like generations beyond the kids that this was obviously aimed at but again one of the biggest things for me one of the biggest notes I had was like how clearly this movie was made to market directly to the kids in terms of the characters so they would sell the action figures but then simultaneously made to like try to pacify adults who were baby boomers by like referring to nostalgia things from the childhoods of the parents who were taking their kids to see these movies.
3: Oh yeah, there's a Grapes of Wrath joke. <laughs> I, was like, I was like what kid is going to get a Grapes of Wrath
1: joke? Wait, what was the Grapes of Wrath joke? <laughs>
3: i think they're going to is it is it april o'neill's like cottage or something in the woods and they say what are we like what is this the grapes of wrath <laughs> oh yeah and i was like no one is gonna fucking get that joke <laughs> like what
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh yo uh, well uh, maybe i'll fight apollo well, uh, maybe i won't you know Oh, what do you think, Adrian? <laughs> hey, I got another <laughs> one. Oh, this is totally oh, no. cool. Okay.
0: Not Cagney.
3: Hmm. <laughs> you dirty rat. You killed my brother. You dirty rat. Hmm. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that must be
0: Splinter's favorite. <laughs>
3: uh, uh, uh.
0: It was a joke.
3: Huh? <laughs>
1: i enjoyed watching this uh oh boy. the nostalgia oh boy. factor mostly i definitely agree with you guys about the humor i don't think the humor really works but i do kind of like what this movie is trying to do which is like the more dark and mythic elements um within the bounds of a kid's movie it reminded me a lot of like the dark crystal which i think we also were kind of mixed on it's just, like, this weird sort of, like, hybrid of, like, some kiddie things and then some things that seem too dark for a kid's movie. Like, I just, I don't think this is bad. I think it's just unsuccessful at being good.
3: <laughs> what do you think was too, because I felt like it was just so dumb. Like, what, it, what was dark in the movie for you?
1: Like, so the main thing and a lot of this is maybe just my impressions from watching it as a kid, but like a lot of this stuff is like very imprinted on me. So like the flashback to um, Japan when like the turtles are made and like they have like the little rat fighting in the cage, which is so weird looking. <laughs> it's
2: weird. I remember yeah. that. I totally remembered that though. Yeah. with it's shot background. on like,
1: 16 millimeter, I think. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it looks, it looks very distinct, <laughs> but it looks like this like gritty kind of like old movie, which is not what I was expecting from this. And I think that there is a sense of like, when Seth said that if the references were from the seventies, I think actually the movie also feels like somehow it was made in the seventies and it's hearkening back to those movies and that's totally inappropriate probably for what they were going for which is like a movie for kids and this movie is a weird movie for kids like and i and i sort of maybe i appreciate like movies that are for kids but probably shouldn't be for kids like uh, i have a thing for babe big in the city uh but <laughs> yeah i mean i just I i find this movie so fascinatingly weird like it doesn't really quite work there are so many different elements like you can't really tell if it's meant for kids or for adults because there's there's definitely like sequences that feel more adult and then there's also like really dumb humor and the overall premise of it is also just you know it's ninja turtles it's not very adult but i just find it this kind of like fascinating hybrid even though I get, I like, I hear what you guys are saying, and I, I wouldn't like recommend this movie or say it's like a good movie, but I, I just enjoyed like the weirdness of it. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it's like clearly bad enough to just like dismiss
3: it. I have to admit, I watched this growing up. I don't know if we owned it, but I definitely saw it in theaters. I remember when I was 16 and I was with my high school boyfriend. I think he had like an old VHS of this. And I was like, I haven't seen this in forever. Let's watch it. And I remember having a good time, like Mm -hmm. reliving the nostalgia. And it was like a fun experience. I don't think I thought it was like good, but I was like entertained to watch it. And it made me feel like a little kid again. Um, and I didn't get any of that this time. I really don't know if, like, I'm just so past being nostalgic for something like this. Like, I want to be nostalgic for things that are actually good, <laughs> I guess. Um, like, I got no joy from watching these movies. I Like, I it, it felt like a waste of my time. <laughs> like, I just really hated watching them, like. I just didn't think there was anything there like like it should just stay in the past like there's nothing for anyone anymore to watch these.
2: It was really interesting like trying to like rewatching all this stuff now and then also like going back and Reading the original comic books to try to get a sense of that context and also to maybe like try to rekindle either some nostalgia for what I felt or to try to understand why I felt the way I felt about it and like why I liked it so much. What I came away thinking was just that. It was a kind of sugary cereal of a thing. It was like just a confection and not even a very good one. It was kind of like the lucky charms of its time in the sense that it like mashes the the sugar high feeling, you know, and you get as a young boy, I got definitely more than my fill of kicky fighty. You know, from all the action sequences, whether that was in the cartoons or the movies, you know. And I think that really was enough for me at that time for a little while. But then it definitely wasn't, and it certainly isn't now. So I definitely found it a slog and not like a fun nostalgia. Like, uh, think of how much this really, truly meant to me. Because when I really thought about it and rewatched it, like it didn't mean all that much to me.
1: See, to me, this movie brings out a lot of questions about this whole franchise, which is just like, what is it?
2: (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? Why? (laughs) No, this is the time when we call the bluff of this movie.
3: (laughs) I literally wrote my notes. This is the Spice Girls for boys in the early
2: 90s. (laughs) That is such a good way of putting it.
3: It's like, am I sporty turtle? Am I posh turtle?
1: that's a good comparison yeah i mean because like obviously you have the ninja and the, the japanese culture which i think pervades a lot of entertainment from this era and before um like fetishizing asian culture i find this basically is just like kill bill with shells like with all the like old like ninja master that's like teaching you the moves like
2: well but it's like it's even sub-Tarantino in terms of the like accuracy and amount of research it's like they're really it really is like they only looked up the names of what those weapons were called uh, they didn't they don't even get the term ninjutsu right it's it's not they say it in right at ninjutsu like n-i-n-j-i-t-s-u and that's literally like the name for their whole style of fighting and their whole style of or their art of self-defense their <laughs> whole profession basically and they don't even get that term right, yeah, I mean, this franchise like really reminded me of an echo
1: of Star Wars, um because that also you know kind of takes on a lot of old samurai movies in the, in the imagery, and Darth Vader mm-hmm. is very much like a shredder, Splinter is very much like a Yoda. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you are here because the outside world rejects you.
1: This is your family. I am your father.
2: I want you all to become full members of the foot. There is a new enemy. Freaks of nature who interfere with our business. You are my eyes and ears. Find them. Together we will punish these creatures these
1: turtles so it reminded me a lot of that and in a way like kind of comfortably like blended into that where it was just like i don't i don't know i think this kind of like benefited from some of the glow of star wars of just being like another star wars movie even though it's not quite that but then there's also like the italian culture which is so at odds with the japanese origins
3: do do you really mean new york culture because the town do you mean just pizza yes
1: well, I mean, their names are like from old Italian, like masters.
3: Oh, that's right, I forgot. Yeah, but again,
2: it's like all they do is take the words and the the names, and that's it.
3: It's very random. Like, why are they named after Renaissance painter? Like, it does nothing to evoke like what kind of person they are.
2: Right. It adds no meaning. It's yeah. just like there to be.
1: And Raphael sounds like a like forty year old like like <laughs> New York like Long Islander
0: so what do we do now what do you mean what do we do now splinters out there somewhere i know splinters out there fight fight kitchen kitchen yeah so what are we gonna do about it what can we do about it (laughs) april's are only linked to these guys we have to wait until she comes up with something oh so that's the plan from our great leader huh just sit here on our
3: butts Everyone sounds like they're like valley girl teenagers from Southern California. And then Raphael is like, I'm a New Yorker over here.
2: (laughs) He's the Natasha Leone of the group.
1: (laughs) It is so weird because none of them seem like teenagers. I don't think like, no, not at all. They're all
2: fully adult. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Even though like Corey Feldman was a teenager, but it's just like the characters don't ever seem like actual
3: teenagers. Now, here is my biggest issue. Well, I have a whole pile of issues. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what is the point of them being teenage if you're not going to have them go through regular coming of age teenage stuff like dates or like having to like. Where's the puberty? <laughs> Where's the But puberty? do you know what I mean? Like, what are coming of age things like getting into college or like learning about your parents more and having a relationship with them? Like, it's like, what is the point of them being teenage if you're not going to take advantage of that? and have them go through a teenage experience. Like, who gives... They don't act like teenagers at all.
2: I have to talk about April O'Neil and that <laughs> it's just the perfect segue to April O'Neil. Is it? Is it the time to address... What a babe. Yeah, because again, Becky, exactly as you were just saying, like, if this were a series where the characters were actually adolescent, pubescent Ninja Turtles becoming men turtles, (laughs) wouldn't you think that the damsel in distress that they exist to save, wouldn't you think that they would be, like, in love
3: with her? They they kind of love her. They're horny for her.
2: They're kind of horny for her, but also weirdly in like a like hot for babysitter kind of way. Oh, yeah. Because it seems like from the moment where April O'Neil enters their lives, she becomes like a mother caretaker figure to all of them. Yeah,
3: I totally see that, what you're talking about, because it would be interesting if one of them legitimately was like, shy around her and like you know had a crush on her and was dealing with having a crush on a girl and that's like the you know that was like a one of the plots in the movie was like yes figuring that out but like instead they're just like what a babe <laughs> that
2: could be actual drama yeah
3: like wow she's just hot let's live in her house and eat all her food
1: <laughs> are you guys ready for me to talk about april Neo?
3: we're doing it we're talking about it. okay
1: i i was five years old when i saw this movie
3: <laughs> <laughs> were you hot for babysitter <laughs>
1: No, I was not. I was angry. <gasps> I was so mad. I already had a thing for April O'Neil, like from the cartoons. And then this movie comes out in the theaters, which I saw in theaters. <laughs> I don't want to be mean to Judith Hogue. Oh my. Who's not an unattractive woman necessarily, but <laughs> she, she was cool. hashtag not my April O'Neil. She was the ultimate miscasting in my mind what was, as a five-year-old. What was
3: miscast about her? She seemed like... You know, just as bad as everyone else in the movie.
2: <laughs> she had the red hair. She had the jacket. What's off here?
3: I don't
1: know. She was just not my April. Like, I was like, that is not April O'Neill. That is not. And I think it's because was she me, had frizzy like, hair. It might have been like she just, she looks like a real adult. Like, I wanted, like, mm. I think I wanted, like, more of a, like, cartoon looking, like, simple, you know, like, looking person. and Like a cub reporter? She seemed like an adult, like, person. Like, she was she think, did. Like, trying to be, like, an actual character.
3: Well, she she's was just, a news like, reporter.
1: Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, it was just, like, I was...
3: Who, who would you cast now?
1: Now? Oh, obviously yeah. Megan Fox. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, the April O'Neil in these movies seems more like a Renee Russo almost. Ooh,
1: yes, I could definitely
2: see a Renee Russo. But but I mean, like, at the time, though, at the age she was then, whereas in this movie, April O'Neil seems like Rene Russo in Nightcrawler, you know, where she's already kind of the lead broadcaster, there are just no stakes to her career or job or her character at all. Like, April O'Neil really has no real character in these movies.
1: Yeah, like I think that was like my moment of being a toxic fanboy, like people are kind of with Star Wars now, but luckily I got it out of my system at five years old <laughs> and then matured. <laughs> but like I was very angry at this casting of April O'Neill. Did you guys notice, like, in the the part where they go to the farmhouse is so weird, and this movie becomes sex in the city for a second. Like we're reading her diary and she's doing like voiceover of like, this is how like Donatello is spending his time, and yes. it's just like this completely different. Like it was almost strange. like adult drama and like a rom com with her and Casey. Like I was just like, What is going on in this movie?
3: It was super strange.
2: Yeah, and April O'Neil's character really reminded me of Jennifer Parker, the girlfriend character of Marty McFly in the Back to the Future series. You know, like, the women in this exist to give exposition, to set up men for dramatic moments or action sequences, and to pass out when something scary happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fair.
2: There's, like, a lot of unintended unconsciousness. <laughs> There's a lot of passing out that happens in the series, and it's all <laughs> April O'Neil. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it's just very overt. She needs a fainting couch. <laughs> or smelling salts. Come
1: on, lady. I wanted to call out a few things is that I feel like every single movie in the 80s and 90s had a joke about pizza being late. <laughs> that is definitely a thing here. Like The 30-minute like pizza window was a pervasive cultural thing that doesn't exist anymore, I don't think.
2: No, I don't think so. One thing that was weird to me was like, the turtles are all dicks to all pizzerias. (laughs) They are like assholes when they order their pizza and they order disgusting ingredients. They get like marshmallows on their pizza and all this insanity. But they're also just real turds to them. I'm like, come on, guys. Pizza is your whole identity. Like, be kind to the working people who make that possible.
1: I will shout out a couple of things that I appreciated about this movie mostly because they were done better elsewhere, but they still, like, have echoes of that, which is, like, I really liked the Peter Pan slash Pinocchio Lost Boys vibe of the Shredder's kind of evil plan of, like, training all the kids in the city to be basically bad ninjas.
2: Why do they call them the Foot Clan? Because, like, the only American context for a clan that I can think of is the KKK.
1: It's also gross. Like, who wants to, like, think about feet that much?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Feet
2: are gross. Yeah, that too. I'd prefer the... the Was it the hand or the fist? (laughs) What was the other one?
1: Yeah, the hand, I think, in
2: in Daredevil. They could have done talk to the hand jokes. Come on.
3: I have to say that I didn't think that... I thought that the Jim Henson costumes were or good, I guess. Like, the the way that they moved, like, I thought that held I up. thought
1: it was pretty good, yeah, for what it was. It was, was surprisingly yeah. good. I,
3: I wish this was a Muppet movie. I, I wish this was a Muppet movie. It would have been more charming if, like, Kermit just showed up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was a distant cousin. <laughs> if Shredder was secretly Miss Piggy.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just, I guess because they looked like Muppets, because obviously Jim Henson Studios, like, made the um, costumes, but, like, it made me just miss... It felt like what was lacking was like any sort of charm or cleverness. Like you watch a Muppet movie and, you know, some jokes probably still don't land, but mostly they're very charming still. And I felt like it was just like, it could have been that, you know, it just like, it could have been better. (laughs) It didn't have to be bad, but it was just so poorly written.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think like the beats of the story are kind of interesting, but I don't think the execution is that good. I mean, I do think that they did a good job on Shredder. I think he actually remains like a pretty cool villain. Um, like, I think he he's does. pretty scary. It's true. Like for it's a true. kids and
2: movie, he's, he's he's kind of gay in this one. <laughs> <He> <laughs> has what? Like this, like his his massive like tunic robe thing is like silver leopard print. And his hat in it is like a big wicker basket. I don't know. He's got very like Pure One Imports, Florida retired daddy vibes. And I appreciated that.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Yes.
2: (laughs) Okay. Maybe that's just a projection of my desires for a big black leopard print daddy to come get me. I don't know.
3: Yeah, we're getting real deep into your psyche, Seth. Yeah, too deep. I, I
2: feel like we're exploring all of our psyches here. Chris's April O'Neil trauma, my Shredder daddy issues. <laughs> yeah, and I just re-
1: I remember like as a kid, like this movie felt kind of epic because it was about that redhead kid. Like when he like stole money from April O'Neil, I was like, oh, "That's a bad kid." And like hearing a turtle say "damn," like this movie just felt like. Very taboo to me at the time, which it doesn't obviously now, but like I still remember that like adult sheen coming off of this movie. So it's a weird hybrid of a kids' movie and an adult movie. I don't think that they quite knew what audience they were going for.
3: Well, they got all of them because it was a big hit.
2: Yeah. Did everyone notice that Sam Rockwell was briefly in this movie
1: It's a yes. member of the Foot Clan?
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> it was the one like genuine surprise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it was all downhill um- from there
3: how much of this movie is racist
2: uh all of it
3: is is it all racist well so it's
2: all incredibly essentialist it very much generalizes all quote-unquote asian culture in a way that chris referred to earlier like it's not just like japanese it's that american like this is asians culture there were basically no asian american actors at least with any speaking roles
3: Wasn't, um, wasn't Shredder?
2: Yeah, Shredder and
1: like his henchmen. And then one of the turtles was actually Asian. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely like appropriating cuz like the turtles are very like white seeming and like yes so it's like it's definitely like appropriating that culture for like white people basically.
2: and then also the the foot clan guys talk like they're doing kind of an engrish accent i think cuz they're mostly in masks you can't really tell whether or not they're asian or supposed to be asian yeah it's problematic in the way that it doesn't really actually represent the cultures that it's like taking from
1: Yeah, I don't think it really represents any cultures (laughs) well or not well. Yeah, it's just a mishmash.
2: Exactly. I think that's actually, like, the the bigger point, is that it's just, like, kind of referring to those things and using the imagery of them, but not really, like, taking anything of meaning from them.
1: Yeah, I want to close out on this film by saying I actually really do like Splinter and, like, the puppetry of him and just the character. He's so disgusting. (laughs) And... Like when he's like he's hung up on a wall and he's all like beaten up, he is like mangy and disgusting. But I I find it kind of like convincing in a way. And his last line of the movie I think is actually like quite great, even though I wouldn't call most of the dialogue in this movie great. But when what
3: is it? I forget.
1: I made a funny. Oh god! I appreciated that.
3: (laughs) Oh boy.
2: Yeah, Splinter is definitely the Grisabella of the Ninja Turtles franchise. I don't know what that means. The filthy showstopper. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, correct. The disgusting centerpiece. I actually did kind of enjoy Splinter, even this time around. Again, it's not necessarily as though he has that much deeper a character, but at least they give him an, a, like a real origin story, you know? And at least there are some real dramatic stakes to what's happening with him. And on that positive note, we'll bring our discussion to a close for this episode of When We Were Young. On our next installment coming soon, we'll close out our Ninja Turtle talk after discovering all the secrets of the ooze. And also, we'll talk about our first When We Were Young live movie chat, where we joined you, the listener, in marveling at Space Jam. The When We Were Young podcast is a production of the MFP Studio Studio in Los Angeles, California. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts and leave us reviews on any of those platforms. We do all the social medias, but really can't we all tell that they're not healthy for us? We hope you're all safe and sound and we'll see you again soon. We were awesome! Fodacious! Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Uh gnarly
0: <laughs> Radical! <laughs>
2: yeah! Wicked!
1: Mega!
2: I have always liked. Kawabunga. Hmm? Huh? K- Kawabunga! <laughs> <laughs> I made a funny.
0: T- <laughs> <laughs>